Welcome to episode 23 of Confessions of a Casting Director, where you will hear advice, wisdom, and true stories from inside the audition room. I'm your podcast host, Jen Rudin. So today's episode features the live chat from the June 17th, 2020 Wednesdays with Jen. To celebrate Father's Day, my dad, Rabbi James Rudin, joined our chat as my special guest. Not only did my father share some incredible wisdom and advice and stories from his own years as a stage parent back in the 1980s, but he also shared some heartfelt insight on the importance of education, how to raise strong, independent young women, and offered some hope on what we should take away once this quarantine is lifted. Oh, also some fun insider stories from when I was on Sesame Street and when I was the cat in the hat in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I can't wait for you to listen. So please welcome my father, Rabbi James Rudin, to the podcast. Everybody, sorry for the late start today on Wednesday, June 17th. I'm Jen Rudin, casting director, author, author of Confessions of a Casting Director, and it is now also a popular podcast. So please listen to We've got 21 episodes on the podcast. Now during quarantine is a great time to read the book if you haven't already. Um, this is my very long bio. It's better in visual. Here are some of my favorite, favorite casting projects over the years. Brother Bear, The Incredibles, I Cast the Wild and Chicken Little, Meet the Robinsons, The Princess and the Frog, and lots of other fun animated projects. Um, I just completed casting a, a show for Netflix, which will be announced soon. I will share that announcement. I've also worked on various projects for Amazon and Disney Junior, um, Nickelodeon, Riot Games, and of course, seven years on staff at the Walt Disney Company as a casting executive. Um, during this pandemic, we've been teaching a bunch of fun classes. I've had a, over 300 young actors attending classes since March of 2020. Um, here are some recent photos in our level two animation class and uh, from the past weekend. And of course, I always like to have a shout out to the students who make these great stories on Instagram, um, saying what a lovely time they had in the class. We have lots of classes coming up in June and July. Um, you can go to Jen Rudin Casting, look at the coaches classings, classes and coachings link and sign up. Lots of our voiceover classes in level one, two, and three sell out, um, but more spots are available as July goes on. And as I said, go to jenrudencasting.com slash coaching dash classes for the most up-to-date schedule. Um, feel free to book a, a private with me. Uh, I do parent coaching, career coaching, monologues, animation, everything's available on the website. Okay, in celebration of Father's Day, it was actually my husband's idea a couple of weeks ago that I have my own father on the uh, chat today. So this is a picture, if everybody can see, from 1973. That's my dad with the uh, mustache. That's me sitting on his lap. We are in Central Park. Uh, here is my father and my mother walking me down the aisle four years ago at my wedding. And my father and mother just celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. So now, without further ado, I am going to introduce you to my father, can you see him, Lauren and Allison? Yes, uh, Rabbi James Rudin. So, um, Daddy, before you speak <laughs> to our to our guests today, I just want to tell you a little bit about my father. So, um, yes, he's actually a famous rabbi and was head of interreligious affairs for the American Jewish Committee for many years, and has done uh, a lot of um, huge accomplishments in interreligious work for his career. He's a Pulitzer Prize nominated author of many books. We are not here to talk about his books and his career, but if you want to learn more, go to jamesrudin.com and uh, learn more. So um, welcome to, um, to Wednesdays with Jen, uh, Jim Rudin. Um, how are you? <laughs> Uh, we're fine in Florida. It's, uh, of course, we're quarantined because of the pandemic, but uh, there's a lot of things to do, and I'm happy, so happy to be on your podcast. Good. So um, I just want to share, um, I started my childhood acting career when I was about eight years old, and I'm going to share some really important advice that my father has given me over the years, um, and I want to make sure that all of you hear this great advice. So I'm going to 
share a few things, and then we're going to go back in time a little bit, and my father's going to talk about what it was like to have a child in this career. Um, my father taught me how to ride a bike. He also taught me how to, uh, to um, uh, work hard. Uh, Rudin's don't quit was something that I heard a lot during my childhood. Rudin's don't quit. And I feel like I've said that to myself before and told other people. Um, the other really important piece of advice that my father gave me that I have told actors of all ages and parents too, daddy, is that all you have is your name, so keep a good name. And that is incredibly important in this very tricky business of show business. All you have is your name, so keep a good name. Um, so why don't we go back a little bit to the early days, uh, Daddy, and let's talk um, about when did you know that maybe I wanted to be an actor, and how did that make you feel as a parent? Well, it came very, very early. I like to say uh, the day you were born, which uh, was in October, you came into the world carrying a copy of the drama section of the New York Times with you <laughs> at, at, at the time of birth. And that's an exaggeration, of course, but in reality, it's very close to the truth. Because even you, when you were a very little girl, you were writing plays, scripts, uh, making your own playbills, and you were doing uh, uh, lots of television watching of uh, Brady Bunch, Love Boat, and things like that. But you were watching it with a different eye than most kids do, which is just sheer entertainment. You were watching it to see who was acting, who had which role, uh, was this person doing a good job, could I play this particular character. So what I would say to a parent, if your child has this inclination or this drive or this um, feeling that this is what they're really interested in, not making model airplanes and not playing uh, now today with uh, games on your device, which were devices, which we didn't have back then. If that's what your child really seeks and wants, don't stifle it. However, however, I would make certain points uh, as a parent, not just as a father, but a, a mother and father doesn't really matter. Understand that allowing or permitting or encouraging your child to embark on a career in, in the entertainment industry, uh, that's what I would call it, the entertainment industry, stage, screen, theater, television, whatever. You had best think it through very carefully because it will consume an enormous amount of your time as well, of course, as your child's time and give it a lot of thought, which we did for you. And of course, your energy and your absolute commitment. So sometimes you have a child, uh, I've seen it in my own family, uh, um, uh, not nuclear, but you know, extended family. A child shows a certain interest in school plays, uh, church or synagogue plays, uh, maybe likes a particular TV character, TV show. That's not the same as finding that your child really, this is what he or she really wants to do. And if you have that, you have to honor it because stifling it is not fair. Right. I think I'm pretty sure I made it clear that I wanted to Absolutely. be an actor. Absolutely. Uh, then you have the balance. Uh, this is the parents. Yes, we have our child is committed to this, but can that child also have even the semblance of what we today would call, quote, a normal childhood, which means contemporary friends after school who are not nuts about the entertainment industry, who can take it or leave it or watch a few shows. But they are, they're good friends. They're nice people. They're in school and you know, in youth groups or in choirs. So that's number one. Can you balance and you have to watch for this as a parent. Can you balance this intense interest, assuming the child has that interest, uh, with what we would call a normal childhood? Because if you deprive your child of growing up with other kids and uh, cookouts or um, sleepovers or friendships, uh, that, can never, that can never be replaced. So I would say it's a tight balance. 
but you had best, you'd best be sure that this is what he or she really wants to do for the next do you think that you do you think that living in Manhattan made it easy for us to get into show business? Because we have a lot of parents on this call, uh, Daddy, who are in Indiana and Tennessee sure. and Philadelphia and all over the country, and some Canadians too. So, I mean, what is your now? Of course, with technology, people can send in auditions and have an opportunity that they may not have had back in the early 1980s when we were doing it. But I mean, there's so much more competition than there was back then. So how do you think it's best? I mean, obviously you have talked to me. I have had lots of rejection in my life, not just from when I was 12, but over, you know, lots of rejection, lots of highs, lots of lows. What is your best advice? And of course, since you are a rabbi, perhaps there is some rabbinical advice in here too. What is your best advice for helping your child through some of the hard times, the rejection? Because we'll talk about the good stuff, but the hard stuff is what's really challenging. Yeah, well, first of all, Los Angeles and New York are the centers. But the truth is, again and again and again and again, uh, there are wonderful people coming out of Fargo, North Dakota. Talent is everywhere. Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, El Paso, Texas. So, so where you're located, especially today with the high technology and the electronics, uh, where you're operating from, where you're growing up, is less important maybe than it was when Jen, you were a child. Mm -hmm. However, you're asking your child, think about this very carefully, to be a professional in a very complex industry. Yes, a child actor, but that's working with adults a lot and being judged a lot, which in anything else, what I call flying a kite, swimming contest, uh, softball league, uh, literally, the child is not being put in there with, against or with adults, maybe coaches, but but not, you know, on the stage or on TV programs. So you have to understand that here's an eight-year-old, nine-year-old, a ten-year-old who's in there with a thirty-year-old actor uh, or a director or a producer uh, or co-star, and that puts a child in a very, very difficult position because they're being asked to be fully professional and they're nine years old. And maybe you're depriving the child of what I call a normal childhood. Right. And you, you have to watch that. Um, so let's talk about some of the good stuff, okay? So um, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about some of the good stuff. So um, I, uh, I was on Sesame Street in 1987, and I always like to share the story. I think it's in Confessions of a Casting Director that um, my parents were fighting with, not fighting, they both wanted to, to take me to the set, um, and they both decided that they would take me to the set. Uh, do you remember being on the Sesame Street set? I think well, you took a day off from work. How could you not uh, remember that? Uh, of course I remember it. And it was very exciting because Sesame Street is an American institution, even back in the 80s, and it had all the qualities, still has, that you want. Learning the alphabet, the characters, tolerance, respect, mutual respect, um, learning numbers, and seeing diversity. Uh, even then, it was very much a diverse program. Sure, so I wanted to see, and I'm, I love Elmo and uh, Big Bird and uh, Oscar the Grouch as much as anybody else. So it was very exciting because I always remember adults still have a lot of inside kids at heart. So, of course, I, I remember it, and I love that visit. Um, I also remember that uh, I was in a movie called My Father the Clown, <laughs> and my mother and I went to Cincinnati, and I think you sent out an office memo to your entire staff saying, please watch my daughter Jennifer's movie tomorrow. Please note that it is not an autobiographical <laughs> story. Well, that, there's a serious edge to that again. Let's say your child is in a, uh, a program in which they're in a uh, broken up family or something, attention with the siblings, which may not be in real life, but they're playing that role. We have to be very, very careful that that role doesn't spill over to your home life, where the child is playing the spoiled brat, let's say, or hates his brother, mm -hmm. and but in real life does not, but is playing that role. So it comes back to my original point, 
So wonder, wonderful opportunity, but be aware that you've got to balance it and be almost like a referee or an umpire, making sure that the child understands it's an entertainment. It, the script is entertainment. That's not you. You're playing a role. And that's extremely important. I think that's great. So now I want to talk um, about college. So I went to the University of Wisconsin and I had some internships for really famous casting directors during college. Meg Simon, who went on to run Warner Brothers Casting and she just retired, and Marcia Schulman, who ended up as head of casting for Fox out in Los Angeles. And it was the summer before my senior year of college and Marcia Schulman offered me a casting assistant job. Um, her casting assistant was about to go off and have a baby. And I came to you, I came to my father, everybody, and I said, I think I'm ready to enter the real workforce. I'm going to take this job. It's $400 a week and I'm going to live in Brooklyn and get on with my life. I'm not going back to college. And what did you say to me? This was the summer of 1993. Just a year before you graduated. Yes. You graduated from Madison, uh, from University of Wisconsin, 94. Well, I was very inwardly uh, very upset uh, because I thought, okay, she's going to make this money right now, but what about three years from now? So let me make my point as an observer of the American scene, uh, and I'm going to be very blunt. Uh, we're increasingly in a society, and it will resume, God willing, after this pandemic. If one does not have a college degree, and I don't care what college you go to, doesn't matter, uh, that will cripple you in this high-tech uh, very competitive society that's out there. Yes, of course, there are many people like Bill Gates, maybe Michael Dell, sure, but in high tech, who didn't finish college. I think maybe Mark Zuckerberg didn't either. Okay, but they're the exceptions. So I use a phrase, and it's very, maybe considered elitist, but if you don't have a, a bachelor's degree, that's your passport to so many opportunities, because I know I have hired many people. And the first thing I say in a hiring process, the second thing, where did you go to school? And I don't mean high school. Mm -hmm. And they'll say XYZ college. And that's all I need to hear because those years give you, uh, they may be thought of as wasteful, but they give you structure. They, they show that you can meet assignments, that you can meet deadlines, meet commitments, and it's not for two or three week gig, it's four years. So I would urge every parent to make sure that the child who's now a teenager goes to college, a junior college, and gets an AA degree, and then goes on to a bachelor's degree. Because in this society, without it, it's going to be very troubling. So you can make your $300 a week, Jennifer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's it's about that's about it. Yeah, and I also remember saying to you, "Well, I'll just finish up at Hunter College," and you said, "You know what? You really won't, because once you enter the workforce, you're not going to have the time." And so I went back to Madison, and I finished, and I'm so glad. And obviously, when I came back to New York, it was hard because I I couldn't get a casting job. I spent some time working for my talent manager. Then I decided to make espresso at Barnes and Noble, um, and try to repursue my acting again after all these years. And it was a lot harder it, being in my early twenties, which leads me me to um, one of the jobs I had after college. <laughs> uh, I was the cat in the hat in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I can't remember how I got the job, but I fit the costume and I wore this really hot costume um, in the parade and then subsequently at Macy's uh, for um, the Christmas season. So here I am, a rabbi's daughter, and I was the cat in the hat in Macy's at Christmas with all the, the elves and Santa Claus and so on. But I wanna talk about that parade um, because I know that you and uh, my mother were able to attend the parade in the freezing cold. It was very cold. And then um, for $12 an hour, I was the cat in the hat on the floor at Macy's. And my shifts were four hours because it was so hot in that costume. So I would work from 12 to four. Somebody would escort me as the cat down the floor. I could wave in my cat costume. And if you look in Confessions of a Casting Director, um, there's a picture of me with my parents as the cat in the hat. I would wave. People could sit on my lap for photos, but I couldn't speak 
because of the cat in the hat um, legacy, right? They did, the estate didn't want me to speak. So I seem to remember that you and my mother came to Macy's saw me as the cat in the hat and I the rumor or the story goes and you can confirm or not you turned to Marsha and said for this we paid thousands of dollars for theater camp and acting classes and she's the cat in the hat at Macy's is that true or false <laughs> it's, it's close to the truth however we were very proud of you because that's a very very strong credit the fact you were covered up nobody could see in fact your grandmother who then lived in uh, Philadelphia, we told her to watch the parade on television because you were the cat in the hat. Leading the parade, right. Leading, leading the parade. Grandma Betty said, well, how would I know? He's, it's a cat. Right. And I have the footage. I will include the YouTube footage of me at the parade uh, in the follow-up Eventbrite email. Dr. Yes, a low point, a low point in my career, but 12 bucks an hour, that was pretty good. And all the elves, all the Santa's elves were all these unemployed musical theater guys who took this job at Christmas and they hated me because I had my own dressing room, which was a closet. Um, but enough with Macy's, let's move on. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, um, and we have some questions. Um, Stephanie, I see your, your question. We're going to start to get to some questions. I um, slaved away in New York as a t uh, assistant at a talent agency. I, I slaved away working as a casting associate. I, I made such little money. I was living in Brooklyn. It was a really tough time. In about right after 9-11, you said to me, I don't know if you remember, but we're talking uh, and somebody asked me, how do you, what's the secret, Jim, in raising such a strong, independent woman? So I want to piggyback on that question that was sent to me to say, in 2002, I was broke. I had good New York Times reviews of some shows I'd cast. You said to me, listen, Jen, if you want to open up Jen Rudin Casting, I'll answer your phones. I'll work at your front desk if you want to open up your own company. I said, that's really nice of you. Thank you. I think I want to go to Los Angeles and have some meetings uh, and see about some more opportunities. My father... <clears throat> in supporting me, and this goes to the question I was just asked about raising a strong independent woman, gifted me some free miles he had on American Airlines so that he could get me an airplane ticket. I went out to Los Angeles and started to set up lots and lots of casting meetings. But the one problem, right, Daddy, was that I did not know how to drive a car because I grew up in New York City. So even though I had a license, I didn't know how to drive a car. I said to you, I'll rent a car and I'll drive to Burbank and I'll drive to Century City. And what did you say to me? Well, absolutely. I said, you're absolutely wrong. And we paid for the car service that took you around because the point was when, when you're applying for a, a position in, in the entertainment industry, you have to be at your best. And the worst thing you can do, <laughs> now you have a mobile phone. Uh, hello, Mr. Jones or Ms. Ms. Jones at Warner Brothers or Netflix. I'm sorry, I'm going to be 20 minutes late because of traffic. Well, that's a death knell. You cannot do that. You have to be fresh. <laughs> you have to be on time. You have to, and, and going to Los Angeles for the first time in your life, it's a, all cities are crazy, unless you really know the cities, uh, you would get lost. So it was money well spent, which brings me back to a point it's fine to spend money, but on quality things. Acting camp is important. Uh, the entertainment industry is a science. It's an art, like playing the violin or the piano. Uh, you just don't get to do it. When you want to play the piano, you better know F-A-C-E and E-G-B-D-F on the scale. You better know what a sharp and flat is. doesn't come naturally, but acting doesn't come. I think I, I as a uh, I think all ministers, rabbis, and pastors are actors in their own way. But a professional actress needs to have training. A professional actor needs to have training. And that's money well spent. So spending money on a car service to make sure first you get to the place on time in such a crazy big city as Los Angeles, you're refreshed. You've had a chance to prepare. You've relaxed. You make up a little bit on your face, your hair, you're ready. You're not worrying about finding a parking place. <laughs> and believe me, the um, my favorite chapter in the book is about LA versus New York and about parking structures and parking validation and the you traffic. You didn't need that. It's true. I want to hire a lot of people. 
I always believe, and I think every every person in such a position believes, when you see a person for the first time seeking a job in the show or any job, they had you're going to see them at their best. And if they're not at their best, goodbye. Yeah. And, and, and so money money needs to be spent. And as I said, acting camp, acting classes, such as you have, coaching classes, it doesn't come easy. Um, and the other thing I would warn about is people who have uh, uh, Uncle Jake and Aunt Betty, and they say, oh, Linda or Larry, I don't care the name. You're great. You're going to be the next Fred Astaire in dancing. Or you're, you're great. You're going to be like Barbara Streisand or Judy Garland. Or if you're an actress, you're the next Meryl Streep. Be careful with that. Yeah. Especially, it, when a especially when a child's eight or nine years old, 10 years old. Just be careful. Because um, that, that's put such pressure on a child. The young Meryl Streep, the young Fred Astaire, come on. Yeah, they're, they're little kids, and let them be who they are. And so, no matter what Uncle Jake or Aunt Betty says, um, give them a sense of proportion. We're excited about your field. We, you're very good at what you do. We're going to teach you classes. We're going to give you classes. We're going to support you. Uh, but there's only one Barbara Streisand. There's only one Meryl Streep. You don't have to be that. That's good advice. That is good advice. And the other thing that always amazes me, because I'm not in the entertainment world, sometimes you're asking a child who goes into a musical, and Jennifer, you would know this better than I, you're asking them to sing, dance, and act. And they have to do all three pretty well in a musical. Little Mermaid. Or yeah, Mary, Mary Poppins. And how many people, I don't care who you are, can do those three things very well. Sing, dance, and act, and you're 10 years old. So have patience and, you know, let the child be who the child really is. I just want to uh, thank you for that and, and not to put the pressure on and say, and which you, by mentioning Meryl Streep and Judy Garland, I just want to put the, uh, the, the end of the California chapter for everybody who knows. Um, so my father said, uh, look, you'll, you'll do the car service. Um, you, you, time is money in LA and you have to arrive uh, early and prompt. I had six meetings at Walt Disney and I got a job offer out of that um, trip. And I remember, um, uh, and I, and now did I get the job? I got the job offer for whatever reasons, but also I, because I was like calm when I arrived there, um, I got the job offer and I'll, I did pay my, my father back for the, um, for the car service, but I just want to um, share that calling calling my parents or sharing the joyous news in this business, um, getting to make that phone call to you to tell you that I was going to get, that I got that job offer was, I mean, I don't know if you remember, you said to me, Jennifer, this is the start of a new chapter that I was going to move to Los Angeles. And I said, daddy, it's the start of a new book, really. <laughs> um, Cause yeah. it was after nine 11 and the city was tough. Do you remember when I, when I got the job? Well, of course, but I, I would make another point that they, that's why your classes, it's a commercial now, your classes in coaching. Uh, one of the good things that comes out of a child who is involved with uh, the entertainment industry, whether they get the position or don't get the job, is um, preparation. Uh, preparation, preparation, preparation. Whatever you do in life, the more you prepare, of course you can over-prepare, but the more you prepare, the better it will be. And that's a great habit to learn at a very young age. So whether you're gonna, at the age of 14, that acting career is over and you're done and you're gonna be play tennis or you're gonna go swimming or you're gonna do this or that, it's all preparation. And the more preparation you do, the better you'll be. And that is a great work ethic. And it's a very competitive world out there in whatever field you go into. And, uh, and don't try to wing it. Uh, maybe some great stars, I don't think so, just kind of got in and they, they winged it. But I think everybody prepares. Um, the more, yes. The, more you prepare, the better it is 
in the entertainment world. Uh, just a couple more things before we open it up to questions, um, folks. So um, uh, let's talk a little bit about um, keeping a good name, um, because you always said, Jennifer, all you have is your name, so keep a good name. Uh, can you can you expand on that a bit about how that uh, applies to the waiting room for auditions um, and to being an actor on set? What does that mean when you say that? Oh, well, yeah. It's one of your famous sayings. Yeah. Well, it's, like, it's from uh, the Jewish tradition. All you can leave behind is a good name. You leave behind children, you leave behind, but your reputation. And, and one of the things is that in, in life, in, in jobs, and I would think it's, you would know better than I. In the entertainment industry, you don't get the job on Monday, but on Friday you do get, you get something. Uh, maybe Monday and Friday you don't do well, but the next week there's something that comes through for you. So you're up and you're down and you're some, and, and the other story is, of course, life is, in, is filled with networking. Networking. And if they know that uh, Jen Rudin or Janet Jones or John Jones is a troublesome personality. Maybe he has a lot of talent, but they don't want to mess with that person because the person is a gossip or is a sore loser or uh, is so on. So a good name because networking is what the whole situation is about. Um, you know, one, one casting agent says to another, oh, do you know X, Y, Z? Oh yeah. She's great. Mm -hmm. she, or she's not great. <laughs> or, or he doesn't cooperate. Or he thinks he can, he's, he can change the script for the playwright or the, or the TV show. Well, we don't want him because we have 15 other people in the, way, in the waiting room. Yeah. So I think that's very important. Have a reputation. Yeah, I love that. Um, I want to share one more story before we open sure. it up, and I do have some questions. So, folks, if you want to open up your chat and start to chat some questions to me, that's great, and I will uh, I will go through them. Um, so, uh, another really historic moment was the day that I found out that Harper Collins was going to publish my book. Right. I will never forget um, that day and calling my parents to tell them because my parents have also written books and we um, all go to the library, or we did, the New York Society Library where Wendy Wasserstein and Lillian Hellman penned their plays and my mother, my father, and I would all be sitting there writing our books. Um, in and, Herman, Herman Melville. and Herman Melville. Um, Moby Dick. Yeah. And... Uh, and um, in 2013, my, my father underwent, and he's fine now, triple bypass surgery. Um, right. His book <laughs> was due to his publisher on April 15th. Um, he went in for a stent and ended up staying much longer for surgery. My book, Confessions of a Cash Director, was due to my publisher, HarperCollins, on April 15th. My father, this is about our work ethic as Rudens, my father emailed his book copy wherever he was to his editor before he had his surgery. I visited my father a few days after his surgery and stayed lingering in the ICU. And my father, one eye open, turned to me and said, go back to the library, Jennifer, finish your book. I'm going to be okay. <laughs> Get your book in on time and make the deadline. Now I did make the deadline, didn't tell Harper Collins what was going on, but I just remember that even in the fog of your brain, you knew about the priorities. Yeah, with all the anesthesia. With all well, the that, anesthesia. That's, that, that applies to the world too. Um, learn your script, do, do what you have to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and and uh, when the director wants to see you at 9 a.m., yeah. Be there. Yeah. So we're starting to get some questions. Um, so um, somebody said, how did you raise, um, how did you, uh, oh boy, hold on. I want to get back to your question. Here we go. I see it now. Okay. Um, you have raised an incredible strong lady, Jim. What would you say the secret in raising such strong independent women? Um, what is What is the secret in raising strong independent young women? Well, it's a little easier, I would think, in today's atmosphere because women's liberation, feminism is much stronger than it was when you were younger, although it was there. Well, you, you, you have to be, as a parent, uh, you, you have to make sure that the, the child takes defeat or rejection or didn't get the, the gig um, as part of growing up 
and that you press on. Uh, and above all, uh, you don't discourage them and then say, oh, gee, this is, now, now it's, uh, you really shouldn't be doing this anymore. So the object is, and being, and being young girls and then young women, uh, that is not an excuse and it's also not a curse. So you can't say, oh, I didn't get this, I didn't get this uh, writing job or directing job because I'm a woman. That's, you have to say, I didn't, maybe you didn't get it because I didn't have enough talent or something. And on the other hand, um, particularly if you're being a young girl, you must give them encouragement because there are going to be a lot of men and young boys who are very uh, um, sure of themselves by being male. That just comes with the, with the genes, unfortunately. And you have to encourage them and that you can do anything you want. Thank you, which is why we rode bikes and played softball. And and you also told us, and I, I know this is true, our parents said to my sister and I in the late 70s, you have to work twice as hard, 10 times as hard, um, because you're... Uh, you're women and not not men. So I still feel like that. When I was at Disney, I was one of the very few women in any executive position in animation. Well, times, times, times have changed, of course, but still changing, changing. Um, we have a question um, with there being so much, um, do you ever find it hard to balance religion with your daughter's acting career? Um, I'll just say that, you know, while we were Jewish, we were not, uh, you know, really crazy observant, uh, strict. We did have a friend whose daughter was auditioning and they were keeping the Sabbath um, and very religious. And she did have to turn down a role because it was going to be filming on Saturday. Um, so I just wanted to, to, to say that um, because, you know, religion is, if, if you're, you know, really religious, uh, certainly with Judaism, nobody's going to, unless you are Meryl Streep, they're not going to shift the, the schedule um, to, to not be on a, the Sabbath. So it's something well, to think have, about. You have to deal with it. Either make the compromise or because the worst thing is that you encourage a child to go into it. And it isn't just Judaism. It's other uh, attending mass. Uh, maybe you can't uh, attend church this particular Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Uh, or maybe three Sundays in a row, and it's very important to your family. Well, you have to you have to understand that that all comes with the territory, and is it worth it? Uh, and uh, which is, but religion can give a person a lot of balance in life. So, uh, as I said, I know that rabbis, priests, ministers, pastors are also actors and actresses. So we know uh, that you have that that's. Sometimes you have to make compromises. If you're not prepared to make those compromises, it can be very difficult. Yes. On the other hand, um, I suppose if you're Lawrence Olivier or Betty Davis or Meryl Streep and they want to take off <laughs> and do something, I'm, I'm exaggerating, okay, but look who we're talking about. Yeah. So you have to, that comes back to the very opening, Jennifer, what I said. You have to really sit down and talk it through with your child, with your spouse, your partner and say, okay, we're going to embark on this. We're prepared to spend money for classes, for camp, because it's an art form. You have to study, and like a piano or dancing. Yeah. You, must, you must do it. Are you prepared to do that? Okay, check. You're going to do it. Number two, um, you may have to sacrifice part of your normal childhood. Are you prepared to do that? Check. And you have to go through the whole list and... Uh, and, and just don't go into it, oh, she, she's going to get the gig right away. Yeah, uh, it's true. That Which takes us to our next question, Jim. First of all, lower your phone a little bit so we see your face. There you go. Okay, good. My father's on FaceTime, so thank goodness for technology. Okay, what advice do you have for hesitant parents who have very driven child actors? Um, this mother's daughter is 110% adamant about going into acting, and her mother's a bit skeptical. I would tell you, please read my book because there's you know really solid advice in there um, for parents. And and I think you talked about it earlier, uh, Daddy, about like you know if they want to do it, you want to you want to uh, support your children's dreams. If you want to be sure it's, it's for real and not that they saw a school play or something on television and said, oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk it through and start in small steps. I'm always a great believer a modest success is better than a great failure. So see if your child 
really can sing or can dance or can act in small steps. And, and you're living in, I, I love say Omaha, Nebraska, and there's a school play or there's a community theater. Start there. Can the child handle the pressure? Can the child go off book uh, quickly? Has a good memory? Uh, can take criticism? Can, can interact on the stage with other people? See how it works. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a passing fad. And if it's not, then as I said at the beginning, you have to give that child a chance. Absolutely. They'll, re they'll resent it much later. And years of therapy to undo that uh, resentment <laughs> against their parents. Um, the other thing too is that, um, uh, you know, parents want to help your, make your children's dreams come true. Um, for this mother who, who, who I am to me privately, you know, unfortunately, as I like, you know, as I like to make the distinction between signing up for soccer where you're guaranteed or baseball to play, you know, the whole season of games and you get your uniform, you know, you, you come into the city and you spend that money and you, you pay the George Washington bridge tolls and you you pay the train and you get here and then you don't get it. it. It it really is a numbers game and to try to see every audition as it as an opportunity to, you know, to do your work. Oh, <laughs> that reminds me. Um, and you can keep sending me your questions. Let me just share the story about um Boardwalk Empire, uh, the show on HBO, they were casting the role of a rabbi. And um, I got so excited. I'm friends with the casting associate. And I said, oh, great. Well, you know, my father is a rabbi and here's a photo and, and let's, let's, you know, let's set up the audition. So um, we get the audition from my father. He comes over to my apartment. We coach it. I get out my camera. We're doing the scenes. I take him to the audition. My sister, who is also a rabbi, is married to a rabbi, and he was there as well. So there were two rabbis, my father and my brother-in-law. Uh, neither of them got it. They're sitting in the waiting room. They made some jokes with each other like, oh, you're here. The audition happens. Elliot, my brother-in-law, and my father, we all walk out and Elliot and my dad said, how do actors do this every day? I mean, how do they do it? So my father's about to return to Florida, says to me, can you find out what's going on? Am I still holding the dates? Am I gonna be on Boardwalk Empire? What's going to happen? Can you please get some feedback from the casting director? So I email her and she says, um, he, he, we went with somebody who looked more like a rabbi. To which I would say, so he didn't get it. So cut to, turns out the next time they needed a rabbi, it was for um, Younger, Sutton Foster's show. And uh, I put my sister up for the role. And boy, she got, she got it. She booked it. She's yeah. the rabbi. I have, a, I have a question for you before we uh, wrap it up. Well, we're getting close, but plenty of time. Now. It's a serious question. Okay, you're a parent or parents, and your son. Um, Billy has tried for X number of years and there's nothing. And he's good, but not good enough. Uh, he still wants, let me ask the question, and only, only a parent and maybe you as a casting director can answer it. When do you call it quits and say, okay, go back to modeling airplanes and playing in the softball league and school plays you tried, you gave it everything you had, you took good classes, you were coached by Jen Rudin, uh, you did singing and dancing, acting, but when do you call it quits? How long, it is important for a parent to think about, how long do you put a child through this, through the rejection? One year, two years, three years, six years, from age eight to 14? When do, you, when do you throw in the towel, as we say? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question that um, that we can't answer because it and is a, no, there by is. The way, it's no disgrace that the child that's is right. not going to make it in the entertainment industry. They'll do something else. Right. I always like to say, because it's asked to me all the time, grown, uh, grown up actors. I always call them grown up actors. My husband says, you mean adults? And I say, yeah, grown ups. Um, <laughs> uh, Actors ask me all the time, when, when should I stop? When is it too late? And I always say, you know, if you have that, that I don't want to say a come to Jesus moment since my dad's a rabbi, but when you have that moment, that sure. awakening, the knowing that Glennon Doyle is talking about in her, 
her book, Untamed, which I highly recommend. Um, when you have that feeling and you say, like I did, I, I'm done. I threw my headshots in a trash can. I hadn't done the preparation um, when I was 23 for an audition for Sylvia, the Labradoodle in the A.R. Gurney play. I, I messed up the audition. I embarrassed the cast director. I knew I was done with my acting. Um, when you have that feeling that you want to be playing soccer or you've missed too many school dances, that's a feeling. And I say to adult actors, if you want to have a family and get a dog, that's a time when you try to think about something else that you might be able to do. But while you're young, if this is what gives you fulfillment, I think you have to pursue those dreams oh, because you will resent you know, yourself for the rest of your life. And when I came back in my 20s to New York, and yes, I was teaching Hebrew school, and I was making espresso at Barnes & Noble, and I was the cat in the hat, and I was temping at Citibank and gray advertising and you know, trying to make money, um, cat sitting, all kinds of things I was doing, my goodness. Um, I remember my mother saying, and probably you did too, Jennifer, give it a couple more years, you know, because you'll regret it if you don't. You still look 15, even though you're 20. Just try it again. And if you decide you want to do something else, you will. And then I reached a point, again, bringing one more piece of advice that my father gave me that I want to impart to all of you. I couldn't decide what to do. I wanted to be a producer, a casting director, a writer, a director, uh, and I didn't, or an agent, I didn't know what to do. And my father said, <laughs> the famous, take out the yellow pad, which I have right here, make a list, pros and cons, right? So when did you, what, what's your advice for that in terms of helping people like these parents make these decisions? Well, if, if, <laughs> if, if it's a constant, uh, I hate to use the word rejection, you know, constant, and it's coming from a series of people, and it's not out of meanness or cruelty, and said, look, you're good, but you're C plus, and we need B plus and above. And it's just, and, um, um, you, you, but I think what you said, Jennifer, is probably more true. It's easy to tell somebody that, but the person has to feel it themselves. So when you're throwing it in your, your, your headshots into the trash can on Sixth Avenue, as you did, it was you who did it. Uh, neither your mother, your mother, mommy, or I did it for you. You have to, and I think people do know that, yeah, I'm trying to be a lawyer. I'm, I'm taking the LSATs. I'm thinking I'd like to be a computer game, make up computer games. Mm. I'd like to be an astronomer. Well, you do the best you can, and if it's not there, it's not there. Yeah. Uh, the, the worst thing, and I've met people who are trapped in a profession or a business that they really don't like. And if you, and especially the entertainment industry, which is so chaotic, so, so exciting, but also so up and down. If you don't really like it and comfortable in, in it, and you're not really good at it to boot, do something else. Yeah. Now, uh, in closing, a couple things. Um, you can find my father at jamesrudin.com and you can look up his many books, uh, which are great to read during this quarantine period. <laughs> um, and uh, you can get them on the Kindle. Um, Jim, you know, we've been in quarantine now. I know for me, it's been three months uh, for most of us. Um, is there, you know, one thing that you, some, rabbinical word of advice you can give us all as we are starting to hopefully move beyond or something we should be taking with us that we might have learned. Um, I know I don't want to spend too much time talking about the pandemic, but you know, we're still in it and still wearing masks and it is still very real here in New York City and now in well, Florida. There's a Hebrew word, patience. Have patience. Patience with the people you're living with. <laughs> patience with towards your parents, parents towards the children. It's a long, long, it's going to be a long road um, uh, until we feel comfortable going to the theater, if the theater ever opens. Um, and uh, so that would be number one. Number two, master something while you're, you're, you're trapped. I hate to use it, quarantine. Uh, whether it's, again, I use it as a cliche, making model airplanes, if you <laughs> learn chess, do something, don't waste the time. Or read good plays. There are a lot of books. It's, everything's online. Read Hamlet. Read Arthur Miller. Uh, watch watch um, uh, Singing in the Rain. Watch Donald O'Connor if you're a dancer. Of course, Gene Kelly. Uh, if you're a singer, watch Debbie Reynolds. 
In other words, put the time to good use if this is what you want to do. Uh, and you can get so many shows and everything is available. And don't just uh, fritter away the time. Mm-hmm. Um, time is our most precious commodity. So if you're going to be in quarantine, patience with the people you're living with. Uh, give them space if you are psychological. But if you're interested in acting or singing, dancing, see what others have done. Yeah, and, and I was going to say, you know, learn, uh, learn your craft. To, you know, we've we've had some some great um, some great uh, progress has been made in all of my animation classes. Um, we've got students now that have, have done level three several times and are going to hopefully come and do level four. And and I also urge everybody, and I probably um, said this when we first started meeting in March, that, you know, if you're watching your Netflix show, if you're watching Disney Plus and it's your favorite show on TV as a young actor to observe, you know, what are these actors doing that makes them so likable? Why do we keep watching? You know, so really try to, to use an analytical mind when you're watching television so that it's not just this endless viewing and binging, but it's actually helping you as an actor. Um, on that note, um, please check out Jen Rudin Casting for future classes. We were, are now meeting every other Wednesday um, during the summer, and I will be in touch with our next um, guest. If you have um, additional subjects that you want me to cover in these uh, Wednesdays with Jen, please email me. I want to just thank you, um, Daddy. It's Father's Day. You know, Father's Day is coming up on Sunday, and um, I am sorry that we can't be together. I uh, am so happy that that Andy, my husband, who is also a father, uh, a wonderful father, um, suggested that we we tie in Father's Day. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm hoping we can see you again some point, not on, uh, uh, you know, um, this tech devices. Um, thank you so much, everybody. If there's, uh, without any further questions, um, stay safe, everybody. And it was a gift. Thank you so much. Somebody said, what a gift to hear from someone so wise. Um, happy Father's Day to your dad. Thank you so much. Um, and, uh, you know, um, stay safe and, and, and go outside with a mask on and take a walk. And um, thank you all for, for being here. And uh, we'll see you in another couple of weeks, everybody. I'm going to end our meeting. I will, um, if, if um, uh, happy Father's Day, everyone's saying, and this will be a podcast episode. So if you have friends that were not able to attend, it'll probably be a podcast episode tomorrow, the Confessions of a Casting Director podcast. Um, thanks so much, everybody. Great to see faces. Now everybody can turn all their video on. I see uh, Joey. Now it's like romper room. I can see everybody and everybody can wave hello. And uh, thank you. And thank you guys. I'm going to end our meeting. Thank you so much. Our share and everybody take care and have a great, great couple of days. Hi, Joey. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. For more episodes of Confessions of a Casting Director, go to jenrudencasting.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast fix. And please subscribe, rate, and review and tell your friends about our show. We've got a bunch of fun online classes for young actors in voiceover and animation, TV acting analysis, and monologues at reduced prices during the pandemic. So you can check them out and sign up at jenrudencasting.com slash classes dash coaching. And if you love this show as much as I love doing it, please consider supporting us with a contribution to keep our show going. You can contribute at jenrudencasting.com slash podcast and support us through Patreon or PayPal. Thanks for listening.